Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. What are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the Corps! Where's Basket? Let's rock! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, J.M. Prater, and today uh, we have another, this is kind of another spotlight in fandom, and this is w- another entry into a series that we're doing where we wanted to talk to kind of larger players in not just, well, certainly the Alien fandom, but um, fandom at large, just to, to kind of give back and say, hey, these are the people who, who make fandom what it is, and today my guest is Bryant Dillon, who is, are you the founder of Fanbase Press? Uh, co-founder, yeah. Co-founder, awesome. And uh, today, I just kind of wanted to talk with you, and Brian and I met up briefly in at uh, the San Diego Comic-Con a couple weeks right. ago, and that was kind of unexpected. I knew that you were going to be there, but of course, I was hanging out with uh, Dane and Matt, of course. Right. Um, awesome guys. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, cool. of course, I've seen you in Building Better Worlds. I don't know if you were in the Wayland Tiny Bulletin. I'm not on that group anymore. Um, but I, I, I've, I basically joined with you with you guys when you started building gotcha. Better Worlds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've been – I've seen you around. And then I, I don't know why, but I think I did an interview for Fanbrace Press. Yes. But not with you. I, no, no. I Actually, it was through me. It was, uh, it was a while ago, but it was for one of our Alien Day uh, – alien day celebrations content and uh and yeah it was uh it was a a written interview for that that's right one. that's right okay but um, it, yeah you guys were just getting uh just getting the podcast started and and uh, we were really big fans here at fanbase press of the podcast so we wanted to make sure to highlight uh you guys during that uh that content awesome and that was great um that, those alien days are really fun days they um, are so before we get into Fanbrace Press, I just kind of want to know a little bit more about you and uh, your kind of journey into the Alien series. Uh, we're sure. a large community, but we're definitely not Star Wars or the bigger, the Marvel <laughs> communities. We're sure, our sure. own thing. So I'm curious kind of how this all happened for you. Well, you know, I um, I guess like many people, I, I caught the Alien bug uh, very early in life. Um, I, uh, around fourth or fifth grade, um, came across the... Uh, the old school uh, aliens uh, video game, the ar- the arcade game at a at a local mall, and uh, but yeah, I, I became fascinated with this video game and um, sort of uh, badgered my parents into letting me watch the the second movie, given that that was what it was based on. So I started with the second movie and just blew my mind. Began devouring the films, and uh, funny enough, it actually ties into my my work at Fanbase Press because. Uh, comic books were something that, I, of course, I knew of them um, as a child, but I really got the the bug for 
for comic collecting and comic reading uh, through the Alien franchise. Uh, I, you know, I had exhausted what movies. I think there were three at the time. Uh, I, I could watch when I was I was in you know fourth or fifth grade. And one day, someone, uh, a, a peer of mine, came to the class and he was like, "Look at these!" And he pulled out some of the early Dark Horse. Uh, aliens comics. Oh if yeah. Remember, oh yeah. Yeah. If my memory is correct, he had like Aliens Colonial Marines number one, and I think um, there might have been something like Aliens Hive and and Alien vs Predator. That blew my mind. That was the first I ever got a whiff of it, you know. But but that drew like drove me into the the comic book shop uh, in my hometown, and from there, you know, I was always reading the Alien and Predator comics, but I also started diving into you know the comic book medium in general. Coming around for a 709er. Terminal guidance locked in. Where's the damn beacon? Oh, I see it. So your your first film was Aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like every one of us. Um, like, I, yeah. I feel like so that's a like this. Out there. Yeah, and our parents introduce it to us, like many of us, <laughs> yep. um, which I think is such a great um, common memory to share with so many people in fandom. Like we all have those moments of our parents saying, "Hey, let's watch this," you know. So Aliens is your first film. Alien right. is your second. And mm-hmm. then how old were you when Alien 3 released? You know, uh, I want to say that I was, I don't know the specific age, but I think I was in uh, uh, sixth, fifth or sixth grade. Um, it was shortly after. It wasn't like too long, much longer after I had discovered the, the franchise. But uh, somehow, I don't know how this happened. I missed it in theaters. And, Me too. Uh, but, but I did you miss out on it as well? Yeah, and I was 16 at the time, and I just I was being raised very strictly Christian, so they're like, you can't see that movie. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, not not the uh, the most uh, kosher movie in the world, but uh, but obviously uh, I caught up with it. I remember Alien Three was really specific for for me because uh, both the Dark Horse comic came out at a at a specific time and was my first actual comic book I owned. And uh, and also, I remember I want to say that the VHS or rental uh, for the for Alien Three got released around the holiday season, whether it was November or December. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because I have a distinct memory of that one. Of my my mother had put uh, the the fake sort of electronic candles in the windows, and she had these orange bulbs, and it it added this real terror after the the movie because I remember walking through the the hallways, which were usually white, but in the in the dark with the with the the candle, the false candlelight, it very much looked like the sets of Alien Three. You know, they're setting <laughs> yeah. those candles down Keep there, blowing out the candles. Yeah, yeah, and I, I remember it, it was definitely like playing. You know, the shadows were playing with uh, my mind as I was I was going to bed after watching that one. But but yeah, I, I loved Alien Three. I grew up not really even knowing that uh, people had an issue with it. I sort of hit that later, I think, as I started getting into my teenage years, that, oh, some people don't like Alien 3. But uh, definitely it was just an, another chapter in the series to me. I had a terrible dream in hypersleep. And I had to be sure what killed her. Anyway, I made a mistake. Possibly. And now I've made another mistake. Really? What's that? Fraternizing with a prisoner. Physical contact. It's against the rules, isn't it? Definitely. Um, so, I take it you did see Alien Resurrection in theaters? I did. Okay. I did. I, I did have to have my father take me to see that. I think he was bored out of his mind. But I remember I was, 
I think it was probably right under 17. I was probably like 15 or 16 and had to talk my dad into taking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, so um, we'll, we'll move on to the prequels in a minute, but in terms of the OT, the original, sure. I'll say original trilogy, because I don't feel like Resurrection's a part of that trilogy. It's it's certainly Ripley, but it's not the same Ripley. So it's sure. 200 years later. So character, do you yeah. have a favorite or do you see the films as one story or how does that work for you? You know, I that's tough. I think I think Aliens is my favorite, but honestly, for me, the first three are so solid that I consider them just really one of the most complete, perfect trilogies out there. I don't really have any uh, problems that are that are major problems. I would say with any of those films, I think thematically they work amazing. As as much as a disaster behind the scenes as Alien Three was. Um, it, to me, it, it's thematically such a perfect ending for the character and, and sort of follows the tone of the universe established in the other two. And while I don't think it's of the same quality, I would even argue that the, those first original four films are way beyond what you get from a standard sci-fi franchise. Even, even the fourth film is trying to do really bold new things, and they gave it to another really visually stunning, you know, young director. And, and so I, I, I do have a respect for all four of those films just because no one said, Hey, let's just do what we did last time. Yeah. But a little different, you know, there is, there is an effort, even if they failed at certain times to do something different and groundbreaking. I feel like each time in those first four films. I agree. I would agree. And I know that we've had some discussion about resurrection and you um, talked about great ideas in the script. And I completely agree. I think that uh, there Mm -hmm. are some interesting elements to resurrection. Absolutely. Um, I think like everything, it's implementation. It's maybe something was lost in translation in terms of script to screen or the wrong actors were chosen or, you know, um, you know, maybe there was some of the right elements, but not the right writer or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think I would like Jean-Pierre Genet, obviously, you know, but for mm-hmm. other people who don't, by chance, directed Alien 3. He's directed Amelie. He's directed Delicatessen, City of Lost Children, A Very Long Engagement. So many great French films, um, just or films in general that have rich imagery, beautiful. They're really kind of heartfelt stories. Right. And he's a very specific kind of filmmaker. Um and he can really create an image unlike anyone else. Um, so he's no doubt he's talented. It's just it was just an odd mix. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a oh, there's a weirdness because there's there's some some feelings there's feelings about that film where it feels very comic booky at times, which I enjoy. But it also borderlines on sort of this like I, I don't even know so stylized to a point that it's I wouldn't say parody, but it's almost winking at you at times that movie. Um, and I feel like that is a little bit, uh, from, you know, it could be from a lot of elements, but it does seem like the director himself has sort of this tone with his films where they, they're, they're fluid, you know, and that is such a different thing than what we've had, uh, with the previous alien films prior to that. The first three are very grounded and very realistic in, in their own way. And, this fourth one's a little like, well, let's see how we can, can we push these borders? And, you know, obviously it, it didn't work for a lot of people because of that, I think. Well, you're going to kill me or what? 
I've said this many times on our shows, but I've said I saw the film seven times in the theater, and it wasn't really until two or three years later, after kind of the hype of the excitement, my first legit alien film in theaters as a as a kid, um, that I realized, oh, it wasn't that great, you know. And I had posters <laughs> and things because I was working at a movie theater at the time. Sure, sure. I had posters up in my room and all sorts of things, um, and then I had written a script w- featuring. Uh, Call and Ripley that I thought was interesting. Um, But yeah, it took me a while to kind of look at it again and go, all right, this probably wasn't that successful. Did you ever, uh, there was a a really bizarre comic series they did called Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator that also continued the story of Ripley 8 and Call? No, I never. (laughs) It's like one of the hardest comics to find. Uh, But it, yeah, I have one issue of it. And it's really bizarre. It's, I mean, it's this thing where the Terminator is still trying to fulfill, you know, its mission of wiping humans out and somehow gets tied up into the future with, like, combining alien DNA. It's bizarre. I I can't even explain it correctly. But there is – the one thing I would argue is I think that there's something fun sometimes about returning to those two characters. I I guess that's the one thing that, like, when I think about Alien Resurrections, I'm just like – even we could have suffered that film. I feel like they could have done, uh, maybe pulled, you know, the, the ship or righted the ship if there was another chance to go back to those characters. Cause it's almost like there's this weirdness of like these, this half human, half alien that shouldn't really exist. And this Android who was created by androids sort of being the most humane people in the galaxy, even more so than the humans that they're around. And so I, I do think, like, if, if a different director or a different voice had gotten in there and, and been able to continue the story, maybe there would have been something to mine. It's just I, I think it might be too too far gone at this point. Yeah, totally. You should. I don't know if there's any images of that of cells of that comic, but you have got to take some photos and upload them. Definitely. I've got to see that. That's crazy. I, I will post, I'll post some stuff in the uh, yeah the Building Better World. Awesome, for awesome. You guys. Um, so. I remember where I was when Prometheus was announced. Of course, they didn't yeah. use the name. They just said Ridley Scott is coming back to the, you know, science fiction. Yeah. And they were kind of throwing, you know, is it alien? Is it not? There was talk about Carl Wrench was, I think he was dating his daughter at the time, that mm-hmm. Carl Wrench would be directing and Scott would be producing. Um, and I just remember freaking out. Oh, like, sure. oh my God, you know, Ridley Scott, the, the, the father that, of, of science fiction, really. Um, the two best science fiction films ever made, arguably, maybe, or maybe yeah. one of them, at least, Blade Runner, then, then maybe mm-hmm. Kubrick's 2001. Um, where were you when that was... Uh, do you remember kind of where you were and what was going through your head when that was announced? I, You know, I don't remember if I, I... I hesitate to say that I remember the announcement. I, I think that I had been so, um, like, teased about, like... And, and I mean, teased by the studios not by anyone in particular but teased by these like oh maybe this these alien things are going to happen and i had sort of been really burned by avp um and those two films so i think that i was kind of like well you know i was i was almost like i guess unwilling to believe a lot of stuff but when i i do remember seeing the the first trailer and just being blown away you know like just i was the lead up to Prometheus was fantastic. The trailers were phenomenal. The, the, the little like uh, promo materials they released, like the Ted talk and some of the, the David focused videos and the, the crew talking, all that stuff was like phenomenal. I remember just eating it up and being like, 
I can't believe how much it feels like the 1970 uh, film, but legitimately like with more money or technology in it. You know, we were with a, a trucker crew in that film. This is the state of the art, best that money can buy research facility or, v- or vessel, you know, and, and I just was so excited, <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget seeing the first trailer and that, that you know, famous siren that I could listen yeah. to over and mm-hmm. over and over, kind of heralding, we've returned. We've returned oh, yeah. to Alien. Um, and how excited I was for that film. And I saw the film twice in the theater, perhaps three times. Once was in uh-huh. um, 3D, which didn't really add anything to it. But uh, what was your what was your reaction? Well, I, I did see it in 3D as well. Um, I, I There were some parts that I actually did like in 3D, but um, I remember coming out of the film, I'd seen it with my wife and uh, uh, another friend of mine who uh, has worked on several comics with me. And um, I think I I was still trying to grapple with it after the movie. They were a little more harsh on like the some of the attitudes or the actions that some of the scientific base characters had taken and, and just logical um, gaps in some of the character uh, choices. Um, I, yeah, I gotta say, like, I mean, I, I, I cannot um, put down anyone's opinion who really loved the film. I think there is, it's a beautiful film. There's a, there is a lot to like. I own it. I watch it occasionally. Yeah. But um, I watched it last night myself. There, see, there, I, I'm very much like that too. But it reminds me of the way that I feel like I have to deal with a lot of uh, franchises that I love going forward. And it feels like when we return to these franchises, whether it be Star Wars, whether it be the Jurassic Park franchise, whatever, um, I don't know that the I, I don't know if I'm more picky or if the care isn't applied in the same way that I feel like it was originally. But I feel like there is a haphazardness to making things connect in a logical way. And for me, I guess that I might just be a continuity sort of like fiend, but I feel like when you approach one of these projects, the first thing you have to do is like, look at where does it have to link up and then make that work, you know? And, uh, Prometheus has been a slow disappointment for me because of that, because I can enjoy a lot of things about it, but I continue to like, the more I watch it, the more I go, Oh, this kind of doesn't fit what happened previously or what it was established previously. And maybe, you know, Scott hasn't finished his story, obviously, but, and maybe he would have gotten there, but there are some, there are some weird uh, choices or some choices that have, have left me a little bit in the cold, you know? Totally. Yeah. I hear you. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll echo most of what you said. I, I think that there's some brilliant things. I love the uh, engineers. I love the aesthetic decisions. I love that they kind of retreated a little bit from Geiger. They kept sort of his architecture, but it wasn't quite as bio, more mechanical right. than it was bio. I thought it was great. Again, unfortunately, um, the story was lacking. Um, but you you hit on a certain point that I'd like to discuss as we move to kind of the big the big hot ticket item, which is sure. Alien Covenant. Um, I also feel like as these franchises are reengaged um today there is this there is this need to kind of reconnect them and I can understand that I don't even mind a connection if they can do it well if sure they can, yeah if they can do it 
but I just don't mean like, oh, hey, so let's, let's, for instance, it would be, say, in whatever Alien movie they released, and they, mm-hmm. someone mentions the name Ripley, and some of the events that are happening are within the next, are within the same timeline as the events in Alien or whatever, Alien 3. Um, sure. That's one thing. Um, what I really have a trouble with is, for instance, with the original trilogy, yes, there might be some some issues with Alien 3 um, in terms of some of the effects and the compositing. Um, yeah. But largely, it's a, it's a triumph of a film. Most of the people who don't like it just don't like what they did with the characters from Aliens. What yeah. I what I have a problem with, I, I think, these days, as these new entries are made into these, trilo- these films that were started in the late 70s or the 80s, is... Number one, they aren't as good, um, and I feel like uh, we're being made to settle in some ways, and so we're taking it like, oh, okay, well, this was great, or this this sure. part was good, as opposed to, well, that's never how it was. These films were amazing originally, and now they're not, but we're settling for them, and we're like, oh, we're trying to find something good in it. We're trying, oh, this was good in it, and that was good in it, but for me... That's not how I view films. I either like it or I don't. Like, or I mean, certainly, like with Covenant, there's parts of Covenant that I really love, and I watch the first 45 minutes, hour, no problem. I'm kind sure. of uh, rambling on a bit because I have a larger point that I'm trying to make, and I feel like <laughs> no essentially we're settling. I think as audiences, we're settling. We're settling for um, these mass, these mass-produced um, re-engagements into old trilogies or films that were made 30 odd years ago and they're not as good and they're not as well made and they're the cont- continuity isn't as well thought of or, or figured out. Um, and every, and a lot of people are kind of settling for them. And I think it's, it's harming the brand. And that's my problem with both Prometheus and alien covenant. I, I could, I could see that. Um, I don't know that I, I am. I don't know that I entirely agree that we're settling. You know, I I do think that there is not total totally a monolithic uh, voice out there. Like I mean, Last Jedi and and uh, Force Awakens to a degree, both would be examples of that. Where I feel like you know, not it's not a hundred percent like oh everyone just loves this film. I mean, certain films like like Alien, Jurassic Park, Jaws, things. There's there's general films that almost everyone agrees universally. You know, that's a great film. It's going to be a classic. Or it is already. Um, it's it's what is really difficult to decipher is like what you, I guess the question that you're asking to a degree is like like are we are we settling are the films are is our opinion of the film uh, without outside influence you know I guess that's what I'm constantly asking myself in order to not go completely negative on on uh, things that are just new or challenge my pre-established uh, understanding of a story or or certain franchise, you know? I think everyone could uh, do a little bit um, to walk that line and kind of make sure that they're keeping themselves open-minded. But that said, I think you, you have many valid points. I mean, there are things... Um, you know, to obviously to focus on things like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, there are things here that um, are divisive. There are choices here that I, you can argue Ridley Scott's making bold choices. He's he's telling a story he wants to tell, and and while that's I'm disappointed with the story. Um, 
some people are getting, you know, much more out of it. Now, maybe where I could, I, I guess where I, maybe I can go, like, I don't know if I would call it settling, is there seems to be um, a degree to what each one of us as a fan can accept in regards to, like, excusing or sort of wiping away the disbelief, you know? Um, every film has a little bit of that. I, you know, like, Jurassic Park is is so great that by the end of the film, you don't question that the T-Rex sneaks into the end and saves everyone from a Velociraptor. You don't go like, well, wait, how did he get in there? What is that? He would have made a huge noise. You're so into the film and the film has paid off in so many other ways that you're willing to, to accept that. And totally. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for, for us, you know, us uh, personally, us too, uh, when it comes to alien covenant and Prometheus, I think, um, we have all reached our limit. The The film has done enough things uh, repeatedly that it makes us hard to accept the, the things that it does right, that it outweighs it. And I feel like there are fans out there that, I again, I don't know that they're settling, but what they're able to do is they got enough out of the story being told that they were able to kind of look past some of those, those flaws or, or failures that, that we see. I guess that's what I would say. I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense. In fact, I think actually you're using a better term than I should. I think a settling is a little bit of a an unfair term. I should say accepting. And I think mm-hmm. um, what I'm trying to say, and or, or what I feel when I engage films, is much like you know, there, if, if a film is great, we we'll look past certain things. Um, if by the end of it we're like, holy shit, that was awesome. You know, now maybe mm-hmm. this didn't part didn't make sense, and maybe when we go back and we'll watch it again. And we're like, Oh yeah, that's kind of weird. Like for instance, I love the last Jedi. I love it. I, it okay. feels like star Wars to me. Um, now there are parts of the last Jedi that I think it's ridiculous. Like when Poe calls into the, the jugger, whatever that thing is, the dreadnought or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're like, and he's kind of it's on hold. Ball, it's, right? it's, yeah. it's total breaking forth wall. It feels like kind of, it just feels like Earth, a conversation you'd hear on Earth, not sure, a conversation sure. you'd hear between the Resistance and um, the Empire or whatever they're called. Um, right, right. First um, order. But yeah, I mean, and I could totally, I forgot. Um, and I can totally, I totally validate that, you know, but I really, I was in love enough with the story and the sure. journey that I was on with the characters that I've loved, Ray including, that I could bypass that and watch it again because it, it's, it's smaller. But I think with the alien prequels and we can kind of move into covenant a little bit before um sure yeah with the alien prequels i just there's more that i can't accept as opposed to more that i can and uh what i can't accept um outweighs you know what i can and i i like for instance with prometheus like i hadn't seen prometheus uh in fully in probably at least a year or two perhaps okay. um and so i put it in last night excited actually like wow i'm gonna watch prometheus it's been a while sure, sure yeah and uh, i was playing it and i love the opening and um even some of the be- couple things in the beginning and the crew and this is great and then i'm just like watching it and i'm watching it and i'm like wow this is beautiful wow this dialogue is awful wow these ki- <laughs> this this acting is bad in these spots wow this doesn't make sense wow this you know um and i by the end of it i just i was writing i was texting some of the perfect organism people and i was like well the dialogue is still shit um <laughs> and most of them were like yep um 
And, uh, I, you know, it's sad. I, it's, it's hard to kind of, it's, it's difficult to be in a position where you really want to love something and you can't. Sure. And, uh, some people can force themselves to, I'm not that type of a person. Um, so I, I suppose I want to be in a position, and I think we all do, where we want to ex- be able to have a, such a, a dynamic enough story and dynamic enough characters where we can accept the flaws. And I don't think Alien is in that place right now. Um, which you kind know, of... Go ahead. Well, you know, I, what I was going to say is what I think the the, the deal... Like, I, I have much less patience for, some, like, say, like... I'm I'm part of the Star Wars fandom. I have a lot of less patience for people that are that are anti like these new movies, just borderline like we don't like any of them and and you know like how how vicious it's become. One thing that I will at least grant to the the alien fandom is we're in this sort of somewhat semi unique situation where we don't have uh, any additional films out there beyond the there's not like with almost every other franchise they're doing more than uh just the main through line of films you know like when we're looking at marvel or dc or star wars or even star trek which branches off into tv and stuff there are options essentially you know if you don't like the star wars here you can see you can go over and maybe you'll like the star wars over here you know with with the alien franchise I think one of the things that we really struggle with is this, um, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it seems to be pretty prevalent that, that Ridley Scott has kind of said like, hey, I'm, I'm telling this story and I don't want anyone else telling other stories at the same time. You know, I don't want anyone playing in the sandbox. And that, that is somewhat unfortunate given that this is a, not that they need to explode it, but this is a, this is totally a franchise that could be some kind of cinematic universe there yes. could be multiple stories there could be standalone stories yeah. there could be different timelines you know we have films ban- bouncing around uh 50 years to 200 years you know like i mean these there's a a lot to play with here and and none of it's being played with and what well none of it's being played with except these these scott films and they're doing something that is always going to be a risk which is they're I, I don't even know if I would call it retconning, but they're they're definitely like messing with the DNA of the universe. They're playing with the origin of the xenomorph. They're rewriting stuff about the uh, the engineers to a degree, or or what we thought of the engineers, you know, given the the findings in in the first film. So yeah, it, that's bold stuff. It's it's impressive in one way to be like, well, they're they're trying something new, but it's also like, well, you're you're also messing with the the heart of this whole thing, you know? Yeah, it's a danger zone. It's Mm -hmm. iconic, iconic set pieces, essentially, within fandom or within the universe of Alien, where, you know, that moment when Kane sees the jockey, we're all Mm -hmm. like, what is that? And that should have been enough. Um, And it is, it does, it's a bold move on Scott's part to say, well, let's, let's talk about that. What is that thing? Um, Let's explore it. Let's create it. Um, And that's a divisive thing to do. You're either going to, succeed or you're not right i love that i love the engineer aesthetic i do i think it's iconic and terrifying Mm -hmm. and beautiful but i don't know if it should be the jockey i love them for what they are um but you know i suppose it is what it is i don't know if definitively know for sure if it is the jockey yeah right um i think that might just be us hoping against hope that it's something else (laughs) in that chair that's the appropriate size um (laughs) Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I, I I think you're right. I think we are just hoping against so, hope because I I do think like those are some of the small details that I think 
as you see what Scott wants to tell, he wants he's he's sort of bored by the xenomorph, as many people have pointed out, and he's said himself, and he he's very interested in this AI David aspect. But um, there, it is sad to some degree because, well, there's plenty of stories that could be, be being told that don't have to mess with the origin of Xenomorph, but still exist in this universe, you know? Completely. Absolutely. So let's move on to Covenant. Um, so I would take it that your experience of Prometheus wasn't a not I don't want to I don't I hate casting things as negative and positive. No, it, it was a, it was a disappointed one. A disappointed so, one. Okay. So I was less excited for uh, Covenant, but I tried to not be completely down on it. I followed, you know, I, as usual, I followed uh, the lead up. I I was very impressed with um, the backburster scene when that that kind of debuted, and so uh, there was part of me that was somewhat excited for it. Um, there were parts where I felt like I I wasn't crazy about the last supper i think it was called yes yeah uh just because it felt a little uh derivative of alien mm -hmm. without without a real point just kind of like hey we're doing alien stuff and i was like okay well let's see what the movie is like the movie i actually like i had a pretty pleasant experience in the theater because i was i had low expectations i enjoyed a lot of the film and it went a little wonky at the end for me but um but yeah, it is one. Of, it's it's kind of still like Prometheus, where I rewatch it. I have it on DVD. I will rewatch it. I still enjoy a lot about it, but there's there's enough like things that don't make sense to me that still kind of poke in my side that I'm like, you know, it's 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 at best like a 50, 50, 50 film for me. Um, and and we have some of the similar issues where David is still fascinating. I think the neomorphs are like awesome. A lot of the you know the David's workshop is super fascinating, you know, and, and sort of that creepiness. But the, the crew makes a lot of weird choices. And there's like, uh, I think it's Arlen, the character who just has no fear of David, even though he should fear him and then sticks his head in the egg. You know, it's, it's just there's some stuff there where I'm like, it, it, I don't know how to explain this. And, and that that can be frustrating. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. It is a mixed bag. Um, and, you know, uh, to an earlier point that I was making, I think I'm not used to this kind of an experience in an alien film. Alien Resurrection aside, because I think we can kind of write that entire film off so it's easier, sure. you know? There's mm -hmm. there's a couple of great things and there's some great moments and great ideas in Alien Resurrection that we've discussed. But in general, the film just doesn't work, and most people agree. Um, but with the original three, much like you and many of us, they're essentially flawless, um, and I don't mean flawless, like you can't find mistakes in them. I just think in terms of the experience of, of, of the films and Rip, Ripley's arc and yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, the ending of her story, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and the prequels are frustrating for me because I don't, it's not an, an even experience and I don't, <laughs> and I don't experience movies that way. I don't experience sure. movies where I'm like, oh, well, I, yeah, this was great, but I, I just... It's frustrating for me to even kind of talk about. It. I would rather not talk about it, um, not because I'm afraid to talk about it. Just it then it gets kind of into a divisive territory where then sure, you're talking sure, about sure. you're talking about things that maybe someone loves, but you don't. Want, you're, it's not personal. And but then at the same time, in fandom, as you very well experience, there's a sense of ownership that we have to these 
to these properties. Of course, of Even course. though they're not our intellectual properties, we've grown up with them. They've been by our side. We have the maybe some figures. The films are on repeat. We're always talking about it. We're always experiencing, it, experiencing them. So we own a part of this. Um, and we have some financial stake in it as well. I mean, we've paid for these films. We buy them on DVD. We buy the licensed figures. There is financial stake in it as well. So we are almost like shareholders. Not to say that you need to do everything as shareholders because oftentimes shareholders are wrong or they don't know. Um, sure, yeah. But it makes it a little bit personal when something you love comes up and they release a... a, a a, another entry into it and it's just not up to par and it's, yeah. it, it you really and i i know for myself i have to like step back and realize okay jamie this isn't personal this is just a film but for me i experience films very emotionally um i experience i relate mm-hmm. most of the films that i love i relate to on an emotional psychological level that's what i do with alien alien for me isn't about the xenos even though they're cool or the guns um or the kicking ass with the marines in terms of Alien Covenant, yes. Um, how, do you, what's your your kind of debrief on that internally for yourself? Um, well, you know, I, I again, I, I liked I like a lot of Alien Covenant, and I when, I do like to hear people. I'm I'm a fan who like I like to hear what people liked about a film to at least kind of get an idea of of maybe a way that maybe I have been misinterpreting or you know looking the wrong the wrong way at something or maybe lo- need to look at it a different way to enjoy it uh covenant you know there are, there's a lot that i i do really enjoy about it i would say really the thing that you were kind of expressing earlier about being sort of frustrated by the unevenness it kind of comes from from ridley scott because he is a talented uh storyteller you know he helped define uh the the sci-fi and uh the uh, space genre, you know, throughout the the seventies uh, and eighties, and has him returning to it. He, you know, even if I say like, oh, he's he's lost a little bit here and there, he still is uh, inc- incredibly talented. And there are scenes in both Prometheus and Alien Covenant that I would say are, you know, more a, like so powerful that they were worth to a degree ha- having whatever film. Uh, rele- you know, contain them released. So um, while I'm not crazy about the idea going forward of like continuing the direction that we're heading, because I do feel, uh, again, I feel a little cold about like, I don't know what we're learning by what, like setting up uh, essentially fairly nice or, you know, in- innocent characters to kind of be knocked off by, by David as sort of revenge for for being created, I don't I don't know how far we need to go with that, unless something new is introduced. But um, I would love if you know, like, if there was another film to at least allow him to wrap up his story, and maybe get some actual specifics. You know, they don't need to be laid out um, in a in a boring fashion, but some specifics about like what what is being said here. You know, we're still in this like weird place of like. Did David create the alien or did David uh, find a design that previously existed and then create an alien, you know, or, or, uh, you know, what, what is his ultimate plan, you know, with these, these individuals that he has is he is, are we, we have this hint about the queen alien. Is that going to happen? So, I mean, if if they don't do that, I would say that my debriefing would be, they got to kind of like, wipe the deck you know i know we're changing hands right now with uh fox 
sort of going away, I guess, and, and the assets passing on to Disney. So as much as I would hate, hate it to a certain degree because it would be divisive again, there's another part of me that goes, hey, maybe they need to do exactly what they did with Star Wars, and they need to get a group of passionate individuals that are going to be a story group or like a, a team that's completely focused on where the Alien franchise goes from here, and they decide, hey, the, these things are canon, these aren't, and this is where we're going from, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and I have faith that Disney, I mean, I... I well, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because I, I love what actually Disney has done with Star Wars. I didn't like Solo. Solo is really the only film, Star Wars film that they've okay. made that uh, I didn't I, I didn't enjoy it at all the first time. The second time I was a little bit better. But aside from okay. that, Rogue One is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars films. I loved uh, The Force Awakened despite its derivative quality. There was enough there that was new that I could accept sure. the, deri- the being, it being so derived. Um, and then again with... Uh, the Last Jedi, I thought, was just mm-hmm. phenomenal, and I think that Disney has some really good instincts. I mean, uh, Marvel, of course, is owned by Disney, and they have a really good system of creating really great films. Film after film after film has great integrity, great writing, great casting. Yeah. I mean, Marvel is just right on point, and uh, so I'm comfortable with Alien being in the hands, at least if Fox remains a, a you know, a uh, or I should say Disney remains a parent of Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Disney could step in and really say, hey, we want to invest in this. We want this to be successful, and this is how we can see a way forward. And uh, whether it's putting in someone like a, a Kathleen Kennedy, um, sure. who's a director or who's a, who's a part of a story group, I think Disney has the right instincts. Um, and I'm not afraid. I mean, they, they've released hard R's films under many different uh Production yeah, they'll, they'll find another production yeah. company. And, and the big thing I hope that they do, because they, they, the story group has done this very well with Star Wars and, and with MCU has done this well, is if you have these resources of like these uh, extended universe of comics or video games or uh, books, you know, mine that stuff. You don't have to tell the exact same stories, uh, you know, to like page to page, but find the elements that you want there. And bring them into the cinematic world. You know, the the Star Wars um, films have been great because they've been willing to go back, even though they've wiped a lot of the EU away for that that fandom. They've pulled things like Ad- Grand Admiral Thrawn, and uh, you know, this idea of of Han Solo and and Princess Leia having a a, a, uh, a son who goes to the dark side. A lot of this stuff was um, originally imagined. You know in comics and books, things like that. And, and the alien uh, mythos is huge when you bring in the dark horse comics and, and the uh, video games and the novels and everything else, you know? Totally. I, I am hundred percent on board. I think that there's a lot there. Um, there's many different stories. I think, I don't think uh, the, the story of alien is over by any means. And I think when you're exploring kind of the deepest parts of what, terrify us um terrify us psychologically um terrify us in a physical space uh terrify us in terms of body horror and um and body kind of dysmorphia or or um all of those things there's just so much there um that i think that uh, a really good story committee could say hey no this is the story that we're going to tell and you can step away from ripley you can step away from david in the prequels um and to that point you made, I think that you're right. I think really 
there doesn't seem to be a point to, okay, so you're leading up into Alien Y. Like, I, what more do we need to see? What What is important enough that these films need to be told? What is there that we don't know? Um, yeah, my that, my fear is that it's that David planned everything. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. You know, yeah. that David sent the Nostromo to that to LV426 and or put Ash on board or something. And I, I just hope that's not the case. Yeah, me know? neither. Me neither. Um, but this is kind of a segue. I want to get back to Alien uh, right at the end, just to kind of ask you sure. your what what your hopes are for the future. But um, before we do that, I want to I want to talk about Fanbase Press and kind of yes. tell me what you guys are about well uh we say that we are about uh celebrating fandoms and creating new ones uh we're sort of a unique uh entity to some degree in in geekdom we are a uh, first and foremost we are an independent comic book publisher we've re- released uh about eight titles at this point um mostly comics and graphic novels we've dabbled a little bit into things like horror poetry uh, we do have a, a, a geeky cross-stitch book coming out uh, later this year, um, and we've been working on uh, an audio drama as well. But um, the uh, the other sides of the company, the celebrating fandoms uh, part of the company, is really uh, a, a geek culture website where we uh, foster a, a geeky community where, much like, like uh, we were talking about uh, previously, you know, everyone is everyone is welcome. All fandoms are welcome. It's a, a positive place to to celebrate being geeky or passionate about these things, and uh, we do that by offering daily reviews uh, of comics, movies, books, things like that. We do interviews with uh, creators of all statuses, from uh, small indie creators who are just starting on maybe their first comic or their first film to uh, you know, celebrities that you would, uh, you know, know the names of instantaneously. Um, we also have a, a podcast network that has four podcasts that uh, focus on various avenues of, of pop culture and discussion. And uh, we do a lot of uh, event appearances. We go out uh, to conventions and uh, we have a presence on, on con floors. Uh, we also host panels and, and produce content for those conventions that usually examines pop culture or uh, indie creating. And uh, we'll also go uh, just cover uh, events that we're not exhibiting at. So we might go to something like, um, say, Star Wars Celebration uh, or maybe a, a red carpet event at the Paley Center that's honoring something new and breaking in TV. But uh, events like those, we'll go and cover and get interviews and photos and um, write up event coverage so that those who can't make it uh, can check it out as well. In relation to what you guys do, I, you know, it's 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 essentially multimedia. I mean, you're doing comics. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're you have a podcast network, um, and you have a physical presence as well. Um, what is your? How do you as a as a company? Um, how do you embrace? Kind of the state of fandom, and, and you know, fandom has always had. I wouldn't call it a, a leg of toxicity. There's always, and sure. I, I like to stay away from hot button words like haters or whatever, because sure, I think yeah. if someone disagrees with you, it doesn't mean that they're a hater. And I, that term gets thrown out a lot, all the time. Someone you'll post something, and someone will say, "Well, I don't like it," and right away you're a hater. Yeah, um, and sure. you, you hear that in fandom all the time, and I just I find that a term offensive, to be honest with you, just because. 
uh, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I don't like you or your opinion. It just means I disagree mm-hmm. with you. It's not personal. Um, but I, I would say the the horizon or the sea is another word I'm looking for of fandom right now um, mm-hmm. is the most toxic I've seen it in a long time. Um, sure. In fact, Perfect Organism has really been trying to work towards unity, work towards the idea that we can host all opinions um, and that everyone's opinions matter and it's not personal and that we're here to have fun and we're here to build community and give back. That's why we're here as Perfect Organism. And I'm curious uh, what fan, how, how do you guys kind of navigate what what's going on in fandom, especially as you see in Star Wars, even sure. in the alien, the alien fandom, there's some major toxicity going on as well. Well, um, you know, I, I definitely will dive into that. Before I do, I want to say, like, thank you for to everyone at Perfect Organism for really, uh, you know, attempting to do this, because I think that's one of the biggest things that does need to happen is if you love a certain fandom, you need to, you know, realize that there is a toxicity out there. And, uh, you, you know, you can be a positive element by making sure that you speak out against toxicity and that you don't become toxic in your yourself in order to fight toxicity, you know, which is always, which is always a danger. Um, but I, I, I listen to the podcast I'm on, uh, as you said, building better worlds. And I, I find this to be a very welcoming community. I don't feel like there's any, uh, support or tolerance of, uh, um, you know, aggressive or derogatory behavior. And even when you, uh, speak on the podcast, uh, any of you about, your opinions. I never feel that anyone on the podcast is unwilling to hear someone else's opinion, or uh, dismisses it without without uh, cause, you know, or, or even with with cause. I feel like you guys are not dismissive of each other's opinions. You might disagree, but you don't invalidate each other, and you speak to it. and And I think fandom itself needs that example. Um, to to our to our end, Fanbase Press is, is trying to do the same thing by providing that kind of example. We the way that we look at it is, um, you know, there there are certain things that sometimes you do have to you do have to make bigger changes. We originally started out uh, eight years ago as Fanboy Comics, um, and there was a period uh, around 2015 where we decided to rebrand to Fanbase Press, and part of that was because not only uh, was was Fanboy itself being uh, turned into a, sort of a, a, it was getting a derogatory, um, uh, feeling around it or, or meaning. Um, there were also certain things that I, you know, as, as a, a, f- a fellow creator and as someone who, uh, was co-founder of Fanbase Press was, was being my, having my eyes open to, uh, we had a lot of female, uh, staff members and contributors. And, uh, there were times that they felt that they were less a part of, fanboy comics because it was fanboy comics. I thought it was a very inclusionary thing that it wasn't completely gendered, but, but, you know, I was looking through my own point of view and, uh, you know, there were many other, uh, reasons we, you know, dropped the comics point as, as well as we move forward. But, but I think just like elements like that are important, taking, taking stock of things that you maybe are not considering as you go forward and, and just reevaluating like, Hey, am I, seeing this only through through my point of view um for fan base press uh we the way that we really approach everything is uh we obviously do reviews we talk on podcasts and are critical um but we don't see we don't see fandom as a toxic place we don't we don't tolerate any kind of uh 
you know, racism or sexism, but if you have a differing opinion, that of course is allowed. Um, and the way that we sort of uh, speak to our our, uh, our contributors about it, whether they're doing reviews or or examining fandom, writing about fandom itself, uh, we're looking to be a positive voice. It doesn't mean you can never be critical, but there's a difference between a review that has, say, constructive criticism in it versus many uh, reviews that you find online where it almost feels like they're trying to to uh, get points for being the wittiest, uh, you know, uh, comment or, or the, the biggest slam on the project or whatever it might be. You know, I think it's just having that respect that no matter what, someone was creating these things and they weren't trying to do a bad job. You know, they were they wanted to make it work, whether their idea aligned with you or not, you know. You have to, we as fans have to be understanding of that. Absolutely. There's a, I I think that there's a, certainly aside from an element of toxicity, there's also a large element of a takedown culture. So it's not only, I don't like this. It's, it's not good. I want to destroy it. Um, and that is worse, I think, than the, 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 the elements of toxicity. And much like you, we, we, we move away from all that. We, it's not anything that we want to be a part of. Um, but we also feel like we need to address it. We need to address. Sure. Yeah. Um, we need to address it and kind of keep fandom accountable. I feel like as as for us as Perfect Organism, um, and we also you know Perfect Organism hosts two podcasts. The other is Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner right. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we have a we have a, a responsibility to kind of be an example that you can be inclusive and. Um, uh, you can have differing opinions and uh, still be friends and still be uh, be a part of a community. And it, it's just, it's really, really important. And in reference to our political climate as a country, the USA, where you and sure. I are based, um, I think uh, it's really important to make, kind of make a stand for um, being inclusive, uh, being kind and unification. I think those are really... Um, they're simple ideas, but right now they're revolutionary ideas. Um, well, and you, and you know what, Jamie, that I would really push forward to that I think you guys are probably on board for is the big thing that I don't see happening in pop culture a lot that I, I think when it does happen is fantastic is that if we want these stories to matter as much as they do to like people like us who are so passionate that we have to create something like a podcast or, or you know, something, a website or something to, to express our fandom – it means that these that we not just in these characters and like these stories, but we believe in the values that they're being represented there. I mean, Alien is, you know, the franchise is not a story that is just like about shooting creatures, you know, or or being killed by a creature. There are like when you look at the character of Ripley or any of the the characters that we embrace from these these uh, movies there are definitive uh, values of like taking care of those who are weaker, you know, being a good person just because it's the right thing to do, doing the right thing, you know, like there are even more, uh, I would say, um, detailed, uh, you know, themes to get into like the corporatization aspects of, of the alien franchise. But there is just a legitimate, like, Hey, like if we all love, the character of Ellen Ripley, wouldn't we want to like kind of act the way that we see her acting to yeah. other people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let me, uh, uh, 
in terms of fan base press, you, you use the term we. Can you talk about the setup of it? Like, who is we? And as you answer, I'm also curious, you've talked about releasing comic books, mm-hmm. doing an audio drama. Do you guys yep. have an income? How, how does that, how, what's the inner workings like? Well, uh, we, uh, most of us at the, uh, at the company, um, oh, I guess I'll start there. Wait, the, the company is co-founded by myself and my, my wife. Uh, she also operates as our editor in chief. So basically any, uh, review or, uh, published piece on the, on the website is going through her for editorial, uh, review and direction. Um, we do also have an, an editorials manager that works closely with, with Barbara, who, who is my wife. Um, the editorials manager is Michelle Brittany and she manages the majority of our editorial content. Uh, we do a lot of editorials on, on either, uh, current, um, occurrences in pop culture, whether it be like, say the release of the latest Game of Thrones uh, season or a movie that's coming up or say it's, you know, a 10th or 20th or 30th anniversary of of some sort of beloved property. Uh, Michelle, uh, Brittany handles the majority of that. And uh, also helps us with uh, coverage at events like San Diego Comic Con, which we were just at. From there uh, down, it's it's a we have a number of contributors that are around the world. Uh, they all volunteer their time. Um, if we get a a opportunity to review or cover something, it's usually extended uh, to these individuals, and someone will either volunteer for it or be assigned to it, and uh, they complete the work and and bring it back for us to. Uh, add to the website or wherever it may go, whether it's a, you know, an article or podcast, um, whatever it may be. Um, in regards to, uh, uh, how it works on, on the financial end, we are, uh, we are very open that we all have for the most part day jobs. Um, this is something that we do out of, uh, sort of a, a creative, uh, need and, and, totally. uh, a love, mm-hmm. you know, for it. Um, we do we do go to conventions and we do sell our comics online. So it's not it's it's not something where we aren't bringing in anything because uh, we are definitely uh, selling these comics and and other merchandise associated uh, with them. Um, but it's something where um, everything is creator owned and we are splitting it with those those uh, creators behind each project. Most projects ha- have a different creative team for each one. So um, you know it's it's not something where it's like a um, um, we are at the point where we're like, okay, well, we can totally put the 100% focus on on the publishing uh, company right now. But uh, every year, Fanbase Press does continue to grow, and we continue to, to be more and more involved with it. That's awesome. And uh, what would you say is the biggest thing you're working on right now? I would say... Um, Probably the biggest thing uh, so far would, would be uh, we just released a, a book called Kinsey that is uh, it's a young adult uh, graphic novel. It's written by uh, uh, Kit Steinkellner and uh, illustrated by her sister, Emma Steinkellner. It was created by uh, Sebastian Kalechik, who is a comic creator who also worked on a title, uh, another title we did called Penguins vs. Possums. But Kinsey is all about a little girl named Lupe who gets superpowers during a quinceanera, but she only has them for one year. And uh, it was released digitally as 15 issues. Um, uh, we released each issue on the 15th of the month to stick with the Kinsey theme. And then uh, we recently put out the, the physical uh, copy. And uh, it was we were lucky enough it was nominated for an 
uh, Eisner Award, which is essentially the uh, the Oscar of, of comics. Um, that is year. awesome. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. And uh, it was super fun. We got to go to the uh, the award ceremony and, um, you know, uh, rub elbows with our, our comic book peers. And uh, and it was, yeah, it was super fun. We didn't bring the award home, but uh, Kinsey is just like a fantastic book. It's it's super inclusive. It speaks to a lot of great themes on mental health and uh, body image positivity and uh, also has just obviously, you know, from the title and the content is uh, – really speaks to the Latina heritage. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you like superhero stories or if you're like, if you like, uh, things like, um, I guess the closest thing I could think would be something like, like, uh, tone of Buffy, the vampire slayer or something like that. It's very much in that vein. But, um, I would also say there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of horror comics that we did when we were first starting out that if you're, if your readers are listening and, and they're, I would assume alien fans like myself, I would definitely say, check out, some of our books like Identity Thief or, or Something Animal, which which lean more into the darker uh, content edge. Will do. So uh, where do people go if they want to get more involved and they want to know more about Fanbase Press? Sure. Well, fan, fanbasepress.com is our website. We've got new content there every day. That would be the, the main gateway. You can find us, though, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, all our podcasts are on iTunes, so uh, definitely check us out any of those places. Fantastic. Before I ask you this last couple of questions, sure. I just want to thank you again for coming on. Thanks for taking oh, the time. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, we, Patrick and I, Patrick says hello, by the way, um, are the main, <laughs> uh, he's doing a bunch of stuff today. I have noticed you, I've obviously noticed Fanbrace Press. Um, I don't know. We've shared some stuff that you guys have done. Yes, thank I really, you so much for doing absolutely, that. and I think it's important for me, not just me myself, but um, just being a part of not just the alien fan base, but fandom in general, to give each other a shout out, share a oh, page. Sure. Like I feel yes. like that doesn't happen a lot. I feel like sometimes you have these big, huge outlets like I'll just name a couple of names: Bloody Disgusting, Denim Geek, who are awesome, but they don't really talk about community they don't really share um there's not a lot of community with the larger outlets so i feel like as as a as someone who's a part of the community as a podcast or series of podcasts that are speaking into fandom or delivering content into fandom let's be here for each other let's and it sounds kind of hippie love and peace but i i really mean (laughs) it like i i i am only or we are only as good as a podcast uh dependent on how much we're kind of helping everyone else. So I I really feel like the way forward is our success is their success and, you know, and vice versa. Um, So that's something that Patrick and I have noticed with fan base press is that you guys have really kind of have been out there and uh, doing good things. So um, last couple of questions. What do you, where do you want to see the alien series go? Do you have hopes and dreams? Um, I do have hopes and dreams. Uh, you know, I, I I probably have annoyingly posted it multiple times on <laughs> building better words, but but I wrote a uh, article for Alien Day this year that was all about the cinematic universe that Alien fans deserve, and I I do really believe that um, the best thing that could happen for the Alien series would be to kind of stop these tendrils that they're doing and bring the the alien and the the predator world and the I guess Prometheus world if you if you wish together you know under under a shared vision a shared um, you know, voice 
and and do and follow some of the some of the uh, things that we've seen from like the MCU and Star Wars. Allow them; they're never going to be exactly like that. And and I, you know, not to to confuse people, make them think like, oh, I'm saying that they can do four films a year or something like that. I do not think that's possible. The Alien franchise can only uh, shift so much before it would become just you know somewhat unrecognizable, but. But there, when you again, when you look at the comics and stuff, there are ways to tell a, a horror story. There are ways to tell an action story. There are ways to tell something that is really weird on on the edge versus something that, you know, is very uh, uh, reminiscent of of what's come before. So, you know, I would love to see them re restart that process, and and I would also love to um, get a a a decent, um, and I hate to say this because I'm sure there's people that love those films, but a, I would love to have a Alien vs Predator film that honors the original comic that was produced. I feel like it's a the Alien vs Predator is something that if you don't know the original comic, you very much can think of it as nothing more than like a Freddy a Freddy vs Jason type of monster, like slam the action figures together kind of thing. I mean, even uh, James Cameron and 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 uh, Sigourney Weaver and a few others feel that way themselves. But I do think that there's a way to tell that story in a uh, in a way that honors both film franchises and is serious and is impactful and what fans deserve. I can I can respect that. I am not a Predator fan. Um, I I don't think Predator is bad. I'm just mm-hmm. I I. Alien is the alien series is just it engages me emotionally, psychologically, um, and on all regards. And Predator for me, sent just is for me, my experience, it just tends to be, oh, let's kill it, or it's gonna kill it, you know. Um, but sure, I have sure. seen, you know, I, I've been exposed to the comics and I've heard from really good friends along the similar saying very similar things that you are. Um, that there's a worthy story there if they were to take it seriously. So that would be interesting. Um, well, there's a there's sort of an interesting, and I don't want to go too long on this, but there's an interesting, I think, if, if people are on the edge, there's an interesting concept to consider about how the alien could be sort of this sacred, integral part to the, the, the predator's lifestyle, but not, not in such a sort of like ham-fisted way as we saw in some of the films, almost akin to like, what you would actually see with, um, uh, you know, actual Native American cultures and like akin to like the buffalo or something like that, you know, that these two species are intertwined in a way that maybe humans are unaware. But that's where, where I would I would kind of go if, if, if anyone is, is looking to explore that further. OK, uh, last question. Give me a moment from one of the alien films that sticks with you that you think about and or a line or whatever, something that's like, this is what the fil- these films are, or this story means to me. You know, the I would have to say that the the moment there is, it's the moment in Alien 3 where Ripley shuts the, uh, I guess it's the, the uh, gated door between her and, and the Bishop 2 character. And says no, and it's said. It's Sigourney Weaver dele- delivers this line in such a, pa- a powerful way for me because I feel like you feel every bit of Ripley's exhaustion and her path, and the the desire to 
trust the devil, essentially. You know, the devil's saying, here, all you have to do is take my hand and everything will be all right. And Ripley is a character of integrity and uh, of heroism. But what is great is we're not depict. It's not depicted as badass and it's not depicted as easy. Her heroism is a burden and it is difficult every step of the way. And I think that's for that, for me, that scene there that I, the ending of alien three is an emotional high that few films ever get to. I feel such, um, sorrow and elation for what that film delivers in the last moments, especially for Sigourney Weaver and the character of Ripley. And, and I think it's all defined in that, that choice that's made right there to to shut the door and accept that she's going to have to kill herself to to make sure the right thing is done. Yeah, that is a powerful, powerful scene. Um, Alien 3 is my favorite of the trilogy, um, and it's hard for me to watch. And uh, I am so emotionally invested in, in Ripley, and I will always be until I die. Um, I can't barely watch that scene knowing that my space mom is leaving yeah you know i mean it sounds kind of corny but really i mean that's how important character is to me um that's the kind of character i want and when i say that i'm not saying i want always want a ripley in a film i'm saying that's how deeply i want to care for characters and that's what i look for in alien film so you have me there it's i wouldn't call (laughs) it a favorite moment but it's certainly one of the most emotional moments for me in the series awesome well my friend thank you so much for coming on thank you for talking um so everyone knows where to go to find yes. out more about Fanbase Press, which is fanbasepress.com. And uh, I would love to have you on again for uh, when the Alien 3 comic releases. We're going to oh, have a roundtable. The table. William Gibson one? Yeah. That, yeah. Would be, that would be fantastic. Okay, would, let's do it. I would love it. to do that. Okay. We're but do... uh, just keep up the great work here, guys. Everything is awesome, and, and I love Perfect Organism. Thank you, sir. Ripley, think of all we can learn from it's the chance of a lifetime! You must let me have it! It's a magnificent 